Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. I just wanted to say a massive thank you for listening and tuning in every week. The podcast has been in the top 50 in the iTunes charts and in the top three on the iTunes business charts, which is just amazing. So thank you to anyone that is listening, subscribing, reviewing it, rating it. It all means I can carry on making it, which is good news. So today's guest is Bryony Gordon. She is a writer and a Telegraph columnist, and she's a Sunday Times best-selling author of two books, The Wrong Knickers and Mad Girl. The Wrong Knickers came out in 2014 and it's a memoir of hedonistic antics during her single life and her 20s. And Mad Girl is another of her top best-selling books, which was picked in the most recent Richard and Judy book club, which is amazing. It's an honest account of life living with a mental illness, specifically OCD. And it's amazing that it's reached so many people. So last year, off the back of writing about her mental health for The Telegraph and also the book, she founded Mental Health Mates, which is a regular meetup for people with any mental health issues where they can meet up and go for a walk and talk about everything without fear of judgment. And it's in several locations now. It's grown hugely all around the UK and it's even in America. So amazing how much that's grown since Bryony launched it as a Facebook page. It's now a much bigger thing. So it's really inspiring. We talk about how running and exercise has been really important to helping Bryony's mental health. We talk about how she works, how she writes and why it's okay to accept the bad days and solutions on helping navigate the world when you have anxiety or any mental health problems. So hope you enjoy this episode. I went to the Telegraph offices and had a really good natter and I really enjoyed recording this one. Here it is. I remember when I first met you when I was doing an event with the wrong knickers, which feels like a long time ago, and um, I made uh, you sign the book for my mum. But we got really drunk on white wine afterwards. Yeah, it, it was, was really fun. It was the best <laughs> first meeting I've ever had of someone who I've admired for so long. I'm like, I'm getting drunk with Bernie Gordon. This is the best. Lo- I mean, it's not. It's, it happens quite a lot. People, it's not like anything. I mean, obviously, it was a very special moment for me, Emma. But I mean, it's it went, like it happens. I think people find themselves getting drunk with me quite a lot. It's yeah, a thing I, know, I do I best was socially. About it, and everyone was like, I have two, and I was like, stop it, stop ruining this for me. <laughs> But I love that we're in the Telegraph offices, which I guess is somewhere you've spent a lot of time. 17 years. 17? Yeah, 17 in next month, in April. Oh my God. Yeah, I started at the Telegraph when I was 19. Wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I sort of feel like a bit like part of the furniture. Yeah. Um, and it, it's... Um, it's a big building. I feel... Do you, do you know everyone? I, I mean, I do, mostly, yeah. I, I mean, it changes a lot. It's it's all very fast moving now, Emma, with podcasts and mm. the on the internet. It's very <laughs> swish. It's quite swish, but um, it's it. Yeah, I kind of know. Yes, I know quite a lot of people. I kind of feel like I've grown up here. Mm. Like all my friends basically worked at the Telegraph. Like I met my husband at the Telegraph, and. Um, yeah, it's weird. Some I didn't go to university or I dropped out of university after a term and I did loads of work experience and that's how I ended up. The Telegraph had a teenage section at the time and I was doing work experience for the Express. It's very convoluted when I and I sort of pitched the idea of being a teenager and writing a column about being a teenager, which wasn't particularly original. Like it'd been done by umpteen people like Emma Forrest, Catelyn, Moran, you know. But I was like, Well, the Express haven't done it. And they were like, Okay. And then the Telegraph got in touch 
because uh, they had a teenage section and they wanted me to do a bit of writing for them as a teenager and then a job came up um, and I, and they I kind of applied for it and I've basically been here more or less ever since That's I'm now 36 so you literally have grown up like in kind of newspaper form in lots of yeah, different ways yeah and um, <laughs> so it's it is funny and I I I just yeah, my friends are here, as I said, boyfriends. How I mean, long do you spend here now, would you say, kind of? In the Telegraph offices? Um, yeah. Well, people always say to me, oh, you must, you must like, work from home. But I hate working from home because I'm incredibly bad at um, motivating myself. And if I'm working from home, I'll be like, oh, a cup of tea. <laughs> or, and I don't even drink tea. You know, I'll just be like, I'll, I'll go and have a fag. And I don't even really smoke, do you know what I mean? I'll rearrange for underwear drawer. Yeah, I mean, my underwear drawer would be really, it's a complete mess, right? I don't even have it. It's just a floor drape. All my clothes on the floor. But um, I love coming in here and I love being with the people. It's a kind of, it's... Yeah, so I come in four days a week and then I write my column from home on a Friday morning and then I have my daughter in the afternoon. So, um, And you're, you're out and about a lot, are you, for doing interviews and stuff? Yeah. I'm, I love how you cancelled on me for Jude Law last time. Swals. And I totally understand. <laughs> Everyone listening to this will be like, I would have done the same. I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I ha- I'm having a much better time than I did with Jude Law in Soho House uh-huh. <laughs> on a Friday evening. But no, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like a yo-yo. I'm here, there and everywhere. They let me kind of come and go as I please which is really nice so um, you think after that amount of time you you would be free well I think as well they know that I get the job done like I I, I hand in the copy I think if I didn't if I didn't write if I didn't do if I didn't yeah if I didn't hit the deadlines they'd probably tell me to can I swear on this podcast they'd probably tell me to fuck off but I do I you know and that's that's one reason as well my respect for you is so massive because after reading your books you not only did you like doing a wonderful job but you also had other stuff that could have set you back but kind of didn't like I, I know that in your most recent book Mad Girl <laughs> Mad Girl which is like nominated for the book of the year and mm. Richard and Judy it's and a bit mad I mean, it's literally it's mad literally it's literally mental I don't like to I don't like to make light of uh, mental illness conditions given that I kind of spend my life campaigning for better kind of advocacy of them but it is mental. It's like really mental. But I think it goes to show the, the response to Mad Girl goes to show how chronically in need we are of um, more support for mental health services and just talking about it. Because it's like, I mean, to cut to cut a very long story short, as you kind of alluded to there, I've had obsessive compulsive disorder since I was about 12. And um, people always say, oh, I'm a bit OCD. And I sit there and go, no, no, you're not. Um OCD is a really debilitating condition and it it ruins people's lives and it ruined mine for a very long time. It led to all sorts of things like drug problems and I had eating disorders. I was, you know, I was really depressed. Um, my hair fell out. I sound like such a drama queen. That's what we call women, isn't it, who who have issues. Drama queen. It's like, no, just one thing led to another because there was never... No one spoke about these things. I didn't know I had OCD. I just thought I was, like... I thought I was dying or I thought I was a serial killer. It was always, it's kind of, I describe OCD as being a bit like your brain refuses to acknowledge what your eye can see, be it that the oven's off or the iron's off or that you haven't just throttled someone. And it's really weird. Um, you get sort of intrusive. We all have intrusive thoughts. We have millions of thoughts a day. And we've all stood on the tube platform at Tottenham Court Road and thought, 
what if I pushed, the, what if I jumped in front of the train? What if I pushed someone in front of the train? But we know we're not going to do that. We kind of, or someone hands you their baby and you think, what if I just dropped the baby on the floor on purpose? But we know we're not going to do those things. They're just the randomness of our brains. But someone with obsessive compulsive disorder becomes so upset by those thoughts because they think that they may, they are the thoughts. Um, it was really funny. I, I was watching. Uh, there was someone went on um, this morning the other week to say that he had this OCD. It made him worried that he was going to kill his wife. So he walked around with in handcuffs because he was so. And and a newspaper reported it as OCD made me want to kill my wife. And it was like no, it's the complete opposite. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a really traumatic thing, and people don't talk about that form of OCD because the memoir is, was so. I mean, I learned a lot. I feel like genuinely it was like an educational thing as well. Of it's such. A colloquial word of oh I've you know I'm so OCD with the way I fold my towels and it's I mean, like, I bit, like it's, it's uh, not that I, I wish I wish I was OCD with the way my husband always jokes wish you had the good type of OCD it's really interesting though because it isn't a type of OCD that people talk about very often it's called puro is the one I suffer from and it it makes you know you th- so I when I was 17 and studying for my A levels I just thought I was like I'd killed people and blanked it out in shock which was kind of weird. I haven't, just so you know, I'm not about to do anything terrible to Emma in this <laughs> tiny meeting room in the Telegraph offices. Um, and then, um, and that sort of carried on through my 20s. And then um, when I was, when, after I had my daughter, how old was I? I was 32 when I had my daughter. And then when I was about 34, um, I got really ill with OCD again. And I thought I might have hurt her or molested her. I mean, like, and blanked it out in trauma and that was when I was like no 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 I'm not dealing this is this is OCD I mean it's a really yeah. common form of OCD if you type in pure O on Google it will show you women thinking that they might have hurt their own kids done terrible things to their kids I've met teenagers who have terrible intrusive thoughts about their parents think they're going to do awful things to their parents and it's um it's really common but kind of the more you worry about it the more it becomes real and you know it's really I've now got to the point where I can sit in a room with you and say this to all your many listeners and you know I am not a serial killing paedophile <laughs> you know for a long time I thought I might be I might be the p- worst person in the world and so for me like I get a bit emotional actually thinking about it and talking about it but I've come a long way and mm. I felt I was I remember just having this really awful kind of breakdown and sitting here and I had to write my column for the telegraph and I was like why am I and I'd written the wrong knickers where I'd written about having affairs and men snorting cocaine off my boobs and picking someone up in an STI clinic who does that and then I had but I'd never I hadn't had the courage to admit that the kind of background to all of this was OCD and so I was like finally so I wrote about it and it was like the floodgates opened it's got just hundreds and hundreds of letters and emails from readers saying me too if not OCD some other form of mental illness and I realized that it was really really normal to feel weird it is I mean it's much weirder to feel normal the whole time don't you think yeah so I mean there was parts of it it's obviously a scale but you there's everyone goes through weird mental stuff that they can't quite place I love that kind of that bit where you said if I'm going through this then what is everyone else going through yeah if I'm in yeah. this position of yeah. support and love and yeah people helping yeah me out. I'm really lucky and yet it's it's really it's just it's really hard it's and, and it and and I think to myself, you know, and it took me so from the age of twelve to basically thirty four to be able to pluck up the courage and talk publicly. And I'm quite a gobby shite, do you know what I mean? Uh, a gob shite even, <laughs> gobby shit. Um, but you know, and I'm God, if it takes me this long to get proper help, so that's 
22 years. Mm. I mean, like the average time for a young person, a child, from diagnosis of a mental illness to getting proper treatment is a decade. And that's just not good enough because we know we know that you know it's a mental illness is an illness like any other and it's you know it's like if you got diabetes well it'd be much easier to treat if if you've only had it for six months than if you'd had it for six years you know and it's the same with mental illness so I mean really the only small part I can do is to kind of stand up and scream and shout about it and so much like all of the stuff with um like the royal family and, and and like all of the backing that they're sort of giving things and yeah they've been um charity stuff so they yeah they've grown from a from a seed like (laughs) the mental health mates oh yeah well that yeah i mean so so i run a yeah i run a um a mental health peer support group called mental health mates which sort of came out was i was writing mad girl and i got ill again (laughs) who knew that writing about mental illness might make you feel slightly ill and um and i was like out running on clapham common because when i feel ill i kind of run I mean not very far like till I look like I've been in the glare of a nuclear bomb so for about 10 minutes and I was listening to an uh, an interview with uh, sorry a documentary about Carson McCullers the author she um, died of alcoholism in her 50s and she wrote exquisitely about loneliness but there was this archive audio footage where she said sometimes it feels like everyone's part of a we except for me and I literally like stopped in my tracks and I was like you you were part of a we you just didn't know you were so I went home and I was like, I'm going to find this we. I'm going to like go on Twitter and I'm going to say, I'll be at this point on this day. And if you want to go for a walk and we'll call it mental health mates. And my husband was like, but a load of nutters might turn up. And I was like, that's kind of the point. Yeah. And um, 20 people came and we're now in 22 <gasps> cities across the UK. We're in America. And it's about creating your own little communities of like-minded people. You can go for walks, get out of the house together. You don't have to talk about mental illness. You can talk about what you were watching on the telly or what you think of Ryan Gosling, do you know what I mean? But the point is, it's like, people say, oh, half the battle is getting out of the house with mental illness, but actually it is the battle. (laughs) And um, so it's just kind of knowing as well that it is something lots of other people suffer from and you're not alone. But yeah, so that's what I did. And about the same time, I heard that um, the royals, Prince uh, Prince Harry and the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, um, had set up this mental health charity called Heads Together and that they were going to be the official... Um, charity of the London Marathon so I sort of was like I'll run the London Marathon which I've now got to do when is it again? it's on April the 23rd yeah so it's not far I'm kind of bricking it um, but, but it's been amazing so we've done, done you know we've done. You know, it's really great to have three of the most high profile people on the planet um, talking about mental health with the online world and people could feel so trapped in the internet and mm. like not being able to get out of the house even more now because you yeah. could feel like you're being sociable when yes. you're not yeah. and, fi- and like find yourself in a void yeah. and I just wonder if sometimes is, is it like a catch 22 of does social media make you more mentally ill or does it help I think I think it, it can I think it's a, I think it's a, I think you, as you just kind of summed up it's a catch 22 I think on the one hand you can find out information that we never had when I mean I know you grew up online but I never had as a 36 year old you know now you can go and google these things but as you said there's not to me there is nothing more powerful and more healing without wanting to sound like some sort of like cheesy wellness guru which I am absolutely <laughs> not like initially I wanted to get Emma around to do the podcast at mine so we could get pissed oh really yeah we still we should still do that yeah we're drinking water <laughs> also you've just had your 
well, can I say that you had a colonic on the podcast? I did, yes. Yeah. I mean, not like literally just before coming on the podcast. I had a, Sorry, I had a yeah, colonic. Not like just this morning. Oh, that would be a great idea for a podcast. You give people colonics and talk to them about what's coming out of their bowels. And I did a 7K Talking run shit. for the first time inspired by Bryony. So it's all, this is all very meta. Yeah. I had a col- yeah, I went away for some, for some wellness camp in Spain this weekend and it was like lush. But I'm, I'm feeling... Like, I would really like a beer and a fag right now. <laughs> There's nothing more healing than um, getting out and being with people and feeling other people's heartbeats around. You know, it sounds so, that sounds so wellness crappy, well, doesn't it? It's probably the reason why you come in, like, into the office and yeah, you were yeah, saying about being around yeah. people. Yeah, and I think, you know, I always think that if you're feeling, like, if you're listening to this right now and you're feeling absolutely like an elephant sitting on your chest... Like, the best thing to do is to do the thing you think you can't do because you can do it. You really can. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So if you feel that you can't get up and go to work or you feel... You know, sometimes you can't, and that's fine. So don't beat yourself up about it, you know? Take the day. Look after yourself. Treat it like you have the flu, you know? Get some nice food in. Watch some movies. Be kind to yourself. Don't... You know, that's important. But, you know, often... You know, doing, yeah, but often doing the thing you think you can't do is like, it's so incredibly powerful. So even if it's like, I don't think I can go for a run today, I'm thinking that right now and I have to go for a run and I know I'll feel better for it afterwards. Um, It's just moving, like getting moving, getting up. And even if that is just to the corner shop, you know. You're like the queen of getting out of your comfort zone as well. You know, in Paris this weekend, it was on like high terror alert because of the oh yeah someone tried to grab a gun off someone in the airport i wasn't anywhere near that airport but i was in paris and i couldn't i was in the restaurant like everyone that walked in i was like i'm gonna die i feel like i've got a pain under my boob she was like oh for god's sake so Mm -hmm. i feel like things can like classic anxiety i used to think i was always having a heart attack the whole time yeah and it's like all of this stuff where i don't necessarily think that I've never been like, oh, I've got a problem. I've always just been like, oh, I'm just a bit bit neurotic. And when I think about it and when I talk to other people, I think, God, things can spiral. Really, they can, and it doesn't take much, you know. It's like, it, it and that's the thing, because you could not even notice it happening. And it's really interesting hearing you talk about that sort of stuff, because I used to, con- I mean, even until quite recently, I used to constantly think I was about to have a heart attack or I had some awful illness or, you know, I'd pan- I was basically having kind of, you know, constant panics and um but I you know it's interesting how since taking up the running and I am not you know I'm a I'm a curvy girl I weigh like 14 stone I weighed 16 stone when I started this running journey um five months ago and I'm you know I have huge tits and not in like a kind of I've got huge tits way they're like 36 double j's like when I was looking at them on Instagram last night started to post pictures to go this is what a runner looks like fucking ridiculous but like you know if I take my bra off they're hanging down like cowardice you know I shouldn't really be you know running but I can do it and if I can do it anyone can and it's genuinely made a different like in, in little tiny ways like I'm just mm. you mentioning that I realized I haven't had that for months mm. and that and that and you, you know the, the thing about being well is that you forget what it's like to be ill so that's the kind of bugger of it so you have to keep reminding yourself but it's working, but it's working yeah I mean I feel kind of high the whole time and not on drugs which mm. is really like 
a bonus. Yeah. So it's like a coping, it's like an addictive coping mechanism that doesn't hurt you unless, of course, you get injured. Yeah. But, you know. But I really love that you're coming from it from that place because my relationship with exercise has always been, got to lose weight, got to look yeah. good. And, and it's really that shift of, mm. no, I mean, running I, is, is for other things. Yeah, I mean, I've lost... You know, I've just said that I've lost two stone, but that has been completely incidental. And, you know, it's actually, you know, I was bulimic for, you know, a decade or so. And it was always about losing weight and looking great. And now it's about feeling good and it's about feeling strong, not getting out of breath and not feeling like I can't carry this. I can't carry my three, almost four year old up the stairs. I can't, you know, and it's it's just really it's about knowing I think the thing about exercise is it just makes you feel so good that you just stop giving a shit about all of that like dress size stuff and I just like you know like comparison is the enemy of joy I have no and so what I've started putting on Instagram like which isn't an original thing to do but like no filtered pictures of my like boobs not naked boobs but just what it looks like and um you look so happy in those photos as well well that's the thing and I think there's there's got to be something between you know there's people I see on Instagram and they don't they don't look like that in real life Mm. and I'm like what have you done to your like what have you done like what like literally what app have you used because you know it's like that when the background kind of changes and the like the and I and I'm like I don't it's I just find it you know and it's that weird kind of constant like I really love Instagram I love looking at nice things it makes me happy I probably spend a bit too much time on it but like the key thing is I don't want to spend ages kind of going oh no no that was a shit boomerang let's do another one or you know it's mm. it's it because it's really it is it does it's kind of insidious it just kind of builds up and it it's just harmful you know it takes up so much headspace it's like you know you see now i see people at this place at the weekend that were like they had some um some bloggers there and they were sort of just the whole time was kind of walking around with their selfie sticks or their you know or their photographer boyfriends you know like and i just thought oh dude you know i just i don't know i i it's i know if i document something too much i feel like I come home and I'm like, was I there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. what? That was the weirdest thing. Like, especially when it's a work trip. I'm like, it's all through a screen. And I'm like, yeah, that yeah. wasn't a holiday. Did I actually, yeah, yeah. did I actually, yeah. It's like being in, a, in like a glass bell jar or something. Like, you're yeah. not, you don't see it. <laughs> yeah, and, and like also just like any, like I'm always like, does people really care? <laughs> yeah, no one cares. I don't even want to see like an album of my friend's holiday photos, let alone no, a random No, it's random like, it is like the equivalent of when you, you know, like from, you know, decades ago, you'd go around and someone would try and show you a slideshow of the holiday snaps. You're like, yes. literally. It's like, put the slideshow away in the, I do the clicker. <laughs> I do sometimes when I'm like feeling a bit, I got, I'll go on and I'll like search hashtag Maldives or something mm. and that'll places and I'll just look at lovely pictures of people on holiday in the Maldives. But it's like, if I can't see sun out the window, I need to see it on my, on my, comp- on my uh, screen. It's so true. It's but that it's know. like Pinterest, like house porn. I always, yeah, holiday like, porn. I, like, I look at sofas a lot. Yeah, I've, I've 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 come through that. I've come out the other side of that. That um that tends to get that tends to get beaten out of you when you've when you've joined the I don't you may be on the property ladder. All your money goes. Yeah, I mean I I, I think we paid off our for our sofa. I think we paid it off in monthly instalments for like two years. That's a good idea. Like, Maybe so, that's what I should be doing. I was like, this is so depressing though that every time I sit on it I'm like, oh there's another another payment. I am um, <laughs>
Yeah, I had a massive argument on the tube with my husband this morning about money. And he was like, well, maybe we need to go through your finances and see what you're spending money on. I'm like, I'm not spending money on anything. I'm literally, okay, I spend the odd bit of money on Candy Crush Lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but otherwise, I don't spend my money on anything. I don't even mm. buy sofas. I don't, oh, it's so, like, where does it go? I feel like that's the next taboo to, like, to attack money and especially, like, women and money I felt really irritated that he was telling me that we had to go through my finances when I earned significantly more than him like I don't I don't I don't want to humiliate you darling on this podcast (laughs) but it's funny as well like the sort of um people assume that when you write a book for example you're like now a millionaire yeah no I am Um, no I'm not a millionaire (laughs) I remember when like when I was little I was like well if anyone's published anything then that means they're sorted for life no I mean it's like also like even like you know, getting to the top of the Sunday Times bestsellers list, which my girl did, it's still, it's like, I haven't even made that. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen a royalty check yet. I mean, I think, I think some people do. I mean, if you I think love of, that that book though is in every single, like, you know, like a really weird WH Smith or like a tiny little Waterstones, like yeah. the ones that are like in the middle of nowhere, it's there in the window. It's like, it's everywhere which and it's ma- so great. Which makes me feel really happy. Like when Rich, when I heard that Richard and Judy had like chosen it for their spring book club, I was like, shut the front door. Because to have a book about mental yeah. illness at, like at the front of WH Smith's for four months, it's like just incredible. It's and incredible. like brilliant them for kind of getting behind it. And um. You know, and as I said, I just think it's like, it, it's not... Was that weird for you, though, to kind of, I guess, when you're writing a book, you don't necessarily think... I wasn't thinking... So many people are going to, you know... No. Like, it's it's one of the most honest books I've ever read, and, and that's why I think... But you know what it's like. Like, yeah. you don't... If you sat down and every time you wrote something, you thought loads of people are going to yeah. read this, you'd never write anything kind of truthful or... Yeah. You'd be like, oh... So you kind of go into a weird space. You're like, no one's going to read this. But I... Yeah, also, <laughs> I, I don't like... I have this kind of... It is really weird, but it's also really lovely, because to have turned and what was quite a big negative into something that is really quite positive is just like I'm like this is fucking awesome like I'm I'm so uncool like some people like work my colleagues at work who are they're all quite they're all quite a lot younger than me and they're like you are the literally the least cool person you've ever met because like, I'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god I just went into W. Smith and my book was in there oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't that the joy of it imagine not caring that would be so depressing I know, but some people are really cool like anything exciting happens to me I literally tell the world like I'm so I am so I uncool it, but you're it's, you know you are celebrating the success of it but you're also celebrating the fact that you are you've got a mental health discussion into the mainstream Richard and Judy, you know, the <laughs> no, most just, mainstream. Just Richard thing. and Judy, you know, like like we went to their house for lunch. It was so exciting. And um I I just I don't know, I'm re- I'm so I'm so grimly uncool. I'm like, I'm going to Kensington Palace. Um But how do you deal with um the amount of people that want to kind of talk to you about about this stuff? Because I guess you're you with your column and I know that it can be good and bad like some of the emails you get I'm just like oh leave her alone but the the positivity of of the people that get in touch with you about the about mad girl must have been amazing yeah no it is I mean at first it was a bit weird because I was like I don't I can barely look after myself I don't really know what to advise you but you kind of it's so brilliant and it's people just want to sort of say you know people know that I am not a professional and I can't and but the whole point was so when someone emails me with their story I'm like that's exactly what I set out to do like I say in the prologue 
this wasn't supposed to be this isn't a self-help book because I'm not an expert but if I write if by sharing my story I encourage someone else to share their story then it's like job done so yeah. I just feel really and mental health makes is like that that place where you can direct people to an actual physical it doesn't need to be maybe talking about with you necessarily but they have some some to yeah, go yeah so it's it's really exciting it's a really a really wonderful time to be kind of working in the it's a kind of completely unexpected career thing for me um because you know before I was sort of writing interviewing celebrities and writing about my kind of stupid life and and it's sort of it's been incredible the kind of to do something that really helps people but you you know it doesn't I mean it sounds really I'm not saying it but to do stuff that really does make a difference and um tangibly you can see it making a difference and working with some really incredible people like Johnny Benjamin and you know just so many like mental health advocates and it's just a really exciting community to be part of right now because it's it's happening it's all going on and it's so I'm start I'm starting a podcast um first week of April so the podcast is um going to be called Mad World and it's basically me talking to people about oh, their mental health and how they deal with so it needed. but I want it to be like a big warm hug mm-hmm. so like you what I think are great about podcasts and what I love about yours is that kind of being able to listen to them and be in your own little world while you're walking down the street and do you know what I mean and kind of giving yeah. you that it's like it's like really intimate it's very it's, podcasts have helped me through really bad times yeah like Desert Island Discs yes is my go to I remember being down in the dumps and went for long walks listening to Kirsty Young I'm like Genuinely, that pulled me out of a rut. <laughs> That's so, it. So I'm like, Kirsty, thank you. But this is the thing: it's, it's intimate. People. Like we're all fundamentally not fine, but fundamentally we are fine because we're all not fine together. Yeah. And we all kind of pull through, and it's it's fine. It's not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if today's shit or this week is shit or this month is shit or this year is shit. <laughs> doesn't mean next year is gonna be, and it doesn't mean, you know, what I've learned is that some days are really crap and things just don't go your way and but it's it's just you know just know that you're not alone really mm. um there's we're all we've all got our stuff we've yeah. all got our issues and i can't wait to listen to that i think <laughs> that because i think being with you as well and having read your book i think people feel like they can be really honest with you because they know so. you so they know that you're not holding back so it's like well i'm not going to hold back then and yeah that's, and that's nice I want, yeah, I want it to be, but I, want, I don't want it to be like, boo-hoo, my sad story, because, like, dude, we don't want that. We want it to be inspired, yes. do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, like, if I can do this, literally anyone can. Mm. And you're literally mean? glowing. <laughs> That's because I've got a suntan. <laughs> That's because I've got a fake tan on. No, I've got a suntan. But it's funny that we, you know, it's like wellness is, is, is quite alienating, but, but, but what you're talking about is wellness. But you could get pissed and be well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, I had two glasses of red wine before my run. Really? Not, not right before it. The night before. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean... My balance problem, is okay. My problem is, is I, can't, I don't balance. So, like, I can't, like... If I'm, I know that if I'm going out to have a drink, I will have 87 drinks. Right. So I just can only do it, okay, you know, once. Yeah. I say occasionally, like once a week, and I can't <laughs> do it before my long run, marathon training run. I have to do it. Like I've become, I've become like a right Monday, Monday night pisshead. Um, but it's okay. It's fine. And then the next day, just go for, walk to work, or you know, I don't know. Just like it's fine. Like this journey, journey. I sound like such an asshole. <laughs> I always say journey. This journey for me would not have been sustainable towards the marathon had I like given everything up and only eaten green ju- drunk green juices and 
like you have to have a bit of you know it's fun and it's and I'm like always once I've done so like on the on Saturday I'd run 13 miles just like I went out and I ran 13 miles before breakfast like that's fucking mental like that's me that was five months ago even three two months ago if you said that to me I've been like (laughs) but I do it and I'm like oh what I really want to do now is go to the pub and drink 13 pints and my husband's like that is not how it works, Bridie. You can't have a pint for every mile. I'm like, no, it totally is. It totally is. But, you know, it means I could have, you know, oh, okay, I'm not going to be that person. It means I can have a bowl of chips. Like, you can always have a bowl yeah. of chips. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. What I mean is, it's just, it's it's really fun. And also just psychologically to be like, I can't believe I my body can do that. Mm. But that's it. Knowing that some people who are really good at running and doing marathons, for example, haven't like just been into running from birth. Like it's been a, no. it's been a journey into into enjoying <laughs> it. So I'm like, maybe I could do it. I'm so slow. So we've so. got this idea. Um, me and this woman called Susanna Taylor, who founded Get the Gloss, which is mm. the, um, really cool beauty website. She's really awesome. And but we had this idea that we want to do. Like I was in my bikini, so we were on this wellness place together. And I was like, maybe I should just do the marathon in my bikini. But this is not going to happen. I don't even know if I can. I was like, they were, I was like, well, they allow me to. I'm like, they let people like run as fridges and rhinos. If they didn't let yeah. you run in your bikini, I'd be like furious but I thought that then maybe that's for another thing but then we came up with this idea like why don't we do why don't we do what we're going to call the zero fucks given 5k and you know we're going to try and set it up so if you want to like if you fancy getting involved like go onto my Instagram Bryony Gordon we are like you know you can run in whatever you want your pajamas a bikini underwear I don't know a frock if you want right and there's no timing so it's not gonna be like oh you managed to do 5k in half an hour or 20 minutes like fuck that it's like have fun and then afterwards we'll all have a drink Mm. have some cake and it's about getting out and being community together so we hope to like set that up in the summer um i'm coming come everyone come um and i will then run in my bikini because it'll be a bit warmer yes but also 5k i can run in the bikini without yeah but also because you can't run long distances i think because the chafing oh, is yeah, a nightmare i was gonna think more about getting a wedgie the, the chafe like if i could i can't you can't see this but i have chafing everywhere it's extraordinary mm. in places that just shouldn't chafe <laughs> But, uh, yeah, on that note, Vaseline <laughs> is your friend. <laughs> Running tips, Brownie Gordon, sports bras and Vaseline. Oh, yeah. Can I show you my really weird chafing? Yes. It's, can you see here? Oh, I'm yeah, is, is that from, from my sports bra? bra? I'm basically yeah. showing you I've got this weird kind of marks on my, just below my boobs. <laughs> I'm just flashing at Emma but in the does, office. But it does prove how far you run. Yeah, no, I don't I, make it up. I don't like, just like, I'm not like, like on my, Sunday, Saturday morning, I was like, did you just go out and then just go and sit in a cafe for three hours? You're like, and then look come at my back. Taping. I really ran a long way. Uh, yeah, no, I do really do the distances. I know it's hard to believe, even I But that's what we need myself. to share because we were just talking about like the perfect sort of post-run Instagram picture. We're no. all like in the gym, looking amazing. It's like, no, it's, no. it's things and go on. T- and you taste of salt, like so much salt like on your skin that your skin like, like goes it's like really kind of not oh cool we need chafing yeah, I love also all this running makes you want to go to the loop see this is the stuff we need to talk about yeah but um thank you Bryony, for being so honest and being so amazing thank and you for being so amazing and thank you for doing this podcast and thank you for getting drunk with me and i'm so excited <laughs> to listen to your podcast oh well and join your run yes so thank god for you <laughs> thank you thanks Sarah.